Imagine a day the World Series is happening. You get to stand on the mound in game seven, literally hearing the real audio of the game, that spatial audio, and sit there and watch that dude throw that pitch. Watch him hit that home run. And you're on the field because you're augmentedly there. Welcome to the Untied Podcast. Today we are talking to Ryan Lush, the Chief Technology Officer for S2A Modular as well as the CEO and founder of DSO Syndicate. Today, we talk about things from technology, renewable energy, blockchain, the metaverse, all super cool things that I don't understand how they work. And I wanted to, so I figured let's make an episode out of it. Thank you guys for tuning in and let's get into this interview. How did you um, get involved um, with S2A? Like, what kind of led you to that? Yeah, so the I guess the best way to say is, you know, I, I kind of started as a, as a geek. You know, I went through school, got a few degrees, and uh, was just, you know, really fascinated with technology. So um, I started an IT company out in Orange County, um, worked for, you know, a couple of outfits and businesses out there, and ended up starting my own thing. And as I started to see, you know, things trending and, you know, staying involved in the, you know, the community of IT, um, I just started to notice, you know, that everybody was kind of in this Band-Aid fix scenario where, you know, the businesses were kind of at the mercy of their computer guy, meaning the computer guy was essentially doing better if they had problems, right? If their computers went down, their servers went down, the computer guy was like, cool, more billable hours, Right. So I, I just, you know, was involved at the time when they started to talk about managed services. And that made a lot of sense to me, you know, where it's kind of like a all you can eat deal. So I looked at it and I kind of started going to businesses and I started explaining to them, do you want your computer guy excited when you go down or would you rather have him cringe? Because I, I, if we flip this paradigm for you and we give you an all you can eat thing and we handle all your servers, your computers, your antivirus, your backups, your end user support. If we put that all into one nice little package that's not only um, predictable for you, business owner, uh, predictable to you, accountant of the company, you know what you're going to spend every quarter on your IT needs. That really started to trigger it for me. And I, I moved from Orange County out to the Temecula area. It's a booming area at the time. And I just really just didn't go out looking to uh, say, hey, I'm a computer guy or put an ad in the paper. I went straight to the businesses, knocked on their doors and I said, hey, what kind of problems do you have? And I went and found the biggest things out there. You know, what kind of computer issues you have? And here's my company. This is what we do. Oh, well, you know, I guess this and this. I didn't say, hey, do you need a computer guy? I, I went in. Hey, what, what kind of problems do you have? They're like, well, my printer never works. I'm like, hey, mind if I fix it for free for you? What? So I started doing that. And I said, hey, if you guys have problems, call me. And of course, people started calling. Go, this guy came in and fixed their stuff for free, right? That's how it really started for me was that I saw that light at the end of the tunnel and realized this isn't a train. This is a really good managed service deal. That's what got me into it. And I really did. It started to take off. I started putting them on annual contracts or monthly contracts or whatever they were comfortable with. And it started to blow up. Well, moving forward on that, what happens when you're the the biggest geek in town. Well, when new things come out, they think you know everything. I knew nothing about solar, right? This was 10 years ago. And one of the wineries was like, hey, 
help me out with this. I want to get this solar thing. I don't know much about it. I'm like, I don't know much about it either. I know the sun goes into that glass right there and then you get power. I don't know how you size. I don't know anything. Well, as I come to find out, as I started going through the process with them, I knew as much as the sales guy knew at that time, you know, I didn't. So I really, so you know, you know, I like the, the pitch stuff. You knew how to like pitch it. You just didn't know like the technical aspect of how it worked. Didn't know how to size it. Didn't know how it made it and turned it into energy. It just knew the sun could become energy, you know? Well, as I heard this guy spiel, then again, then my neighbor wanted solar. And I said, you know what? I helped out the winery with it. Let me, let me, I can sit in and hear, and I can tell you some stuff. And real quick, because I knew tech, I started to get it, got fascinated with that. So I, I just said, you know what? I'm going to start doing this, brought more um, employees onto my IT company. And I started getting involved in solar and I started going out, started at the very, very bottom, walked around, watched the guy do sales, went out to the jobs, watched the guys do the installs, learned it. I was, I was a quick uptake. It made all, it made sense to me. It didn't take me long to get it. Came across, got very fortunate, came across a really, really ethical, credible guy. And he, uh, he really showed me the ropes. He, he, he showed me how you really want to pitch this to people, how you want to show them what they're losing and, you know, to be credible. And, you know, it was amazing because I, you, you know, I was always told when I was young, you want to do something well, find the people that are doing what you want to do better than you and listen to them only. So this guy was doing what I wanted to do. He was getting a ton of referrals. You know, his phone was going off the hook. He wasn't putting out ads because he was being honest. He was being credible. He wasn't out there burning people. So I learned the right way. If I would have learned from some hack that was teaching me how to go out there and just absolutely screw people over, I probably would have just done that because I wouldn't have known any different at the time. So mm -hmm. I feel very fortunate, you know, that I was just blessed. To, my first guy was a really credible, awesome human being. So yeah. I, I learned right. And uh, that's what happened. I started getting really into it, moved up real quick everywhere I went, ended up running offices, training people, creating my own training videos and having real productive offices. And, you know, everybody was wondering, why is that? Why is that office doing so well? Made it, you know, I didn't know it was transparent. Like, I don't come work for us. I'll show you all of our training videos. And it was just totally different than what they were used to. That's what really got me into it. So to move forward, how did I come up to S2A? Well, the president of S2A, John Rowland, had a Roland development. He was doing things, and his daughter and my daughter played softball together when they were little girls. So we just knew each other. I knew John was a really credible guy. He was out there, you know, really achieving things and was a successful guy and really professional. So we, we really kind of clicked back then just in softball. And then just along the years, you know, he knew what I did with IT and different things. And he was like, hey, man, I need a website for this new company I'm doing. Why don't you come um, give me a bid? We did that. We did some things together. Then we just started meshing a little more and doing these things. And then he started doing these. Um, he was already a developer, obviously, role in development. And he started doing these um, modular homes. And I you know, didn't know anything about that a few years back. And, you know, it was really fascinating to me. I was like, wow, I saw all of the things, you know, just the speed of doing it. All of it just made sense. You know, and I'm like, yeah, but dude, you're not going to be able to resell these. And he's like, no, no, no. You know, you start learning, right? Yeah. Like, these are just like regular homes. These are, they're, they're they go on the MLS, just like a home. You don't even know they're modular when it's on MLS. Like, okay, that's pretty cool. So John says, you know, here's what I want to do. 
I want to make these things run on batteries from the inside out. I was like, awesome. A mutual friend of ours actually at a softball game. I saw him. Hey, how you doing? Haven't seen you since last year. Our kids played together. Now we're playing against each other. Um, and that's how it kind of happened. He goes, hey, you talked to John lately. And, you know, he told me what John was doing. So I reached out to John. I said, dude, what are you doing, buddy? Heard you doing this uh, house thing. So he brought me out, took me on some tours of some factories. And he, John started doing that. And I thought, this is great. So at that time, California was really changing their laws on what's called ADUs, right? The uh, accessory dwelling units, basically yeah. back houses. And it was, you know, where it used to cost you tens of thousands of dollars to get these things permitted and everything. That was going away in California, they, the housing crisis. They were actually fining cities for not having enough affordable housing, right? Like Huntington Beach, for instance, got fined by the governor for that. So these guys came into a crunch. They really needed these things. John saw that, went after it. I caught on. John's like, listen, this is what I'm doing. I'm like, I'm in, man. I can sell these. I get it. There's a lot of tech going on. And that, that's what really happened with uh, how I got into S2A. And I actually started as the as a chief sales officer. That's what I came in as. I, really, I was actually just a sales guy. And then as it started to develop, I think I was the one, you know, probably putting it together the quickest and helping other people out and bringing people on went to chief sales officer. And now I'm the chief technology officer at S2A because, you know, I'm a geek, but I, I think, I think it makes more sense too. Cause I was around, like when I first met you, you were the chief sales officer mm -hmm. when I like went out and I like toured the like early days of the like office, the front office. And like we walked through uh, and that was when I met John for the first time too. Mm -hmm. um, which was like, we were out in California for something else, but can you give a little bit of background? Cause you're going to do it better than I can of what S2A is. Sure. Like what it, what it is. So the name is sustainability advanced to the second power. That's what it is. It was an idea that people thought was the future. And John just saw these technologies were possible and was like, why does it have to be the future? Why can't this be right now? That's what S2A is, was just a leap of faith into things that we knew. Um, sorry, my phone's going off. Don't know if you can hear that. Um, no, I couldn't, but you're all good. Yeah, John, uh, you know, John, John really saw that um, vision on that, that, you know, that people were maybe treating us like it was the Jetsons and, you know, that it's just futuristic and stuff like that. And it, and it wasn't. All these technologies were here. And and really, since we began S2A, I mean, even at Roland Development, but to now, we're, we're light years ahead. I mean, this all this technology moves so fast. The things we thought we were going to be doing three years ago to be cutting edge is old. It's like we wouldn't even do that now. There's so much better technology. It just yeah. becomes, you know, less expensive, quicker, more efficient. That, so you got to you got to pivot and you got to adapt. I would say that's what S2A is. S2A is really a high tech company that is not complacent. We will pivot on a dime if we see something. That doesn't mean we run in and be beta testers for version one of everything. We, yeah. you know, we, we let the industry prove itself. But once they do, we're not shy. We're agnostic to hardware. We're agnostic to technologies. We're not going to get stuck with one vendor and ride or die with them and while other people are surpassing them. It's just not what S2A is, a tech company. So being agnostic and being able to deliver 
green building at its best is what S2A is. It's, it's, it's not a complacent place to be. If you if you want to rest on your laurels here, you're the wrong company, man. Nobody's <laughs> going to let you do it, you know? Well, and it's crazy because anytime I bring up like uh, S2A modular or, you know, modular construction to anyone, they immediately go to mobile homes or, you know, like the, you know, like boxy, like not customizable sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of sound like Brian's part on the webinar, but it's yeah, you know, the, it's a true statement. I mean, because yeah. you're saying it, I did. I'm like, did I want to solve mobile homes when John told me? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, and and initially when they told me, they were like, "Hey, you know, we need to do like a you know two times a week webinar to teach people about this stuff because everyone thinks it's like mobile homes sort of thing." Um, I was like, "Isn't it like well, I don't know what it is?" Like when I before I had I like known what S two A was, and then I was you know sitting in the webinars and every week I was like, "Oh my god, this is insane!" And especially your part because of all the technology that goes into it, where I'm kind of a nerd too when it comes to all the, you know, like the amount of audio equipment in this room right now, and just you know setting up all of the lighting and things like that. And I was like when you guys were talking about it and how it runs through like cat five, cat six cables, like that's just insane to me. Cause I was like, I, I feel like I'm living in the prehistoric age the way I'm running things in here. But it's the norm. It's yeah. just that nobody really wanted to take that, you know, and this is not a dig against any other builder. I'm not this, you know, I don't look at, especially in modular, I don't consider that like competition at all. Jackson, I, I think it's co-opetition. Right. Yeah. Because we're all cooperating to compete to bring this whole new idea, this whole new green building to the table, to the plate for everybody. And, you know, it's like you said, you know, doing the webinars twice a week. That's absolutely what we're doing is we're educating people because we are we were them before we knew what it was. We said the same exact stuff. I'm straight out. John, I'm not selling mobile homes. That doesn't sound fun to me, buddy. I don't want to do that. Yeah. He's like, no, no, no. But that's what it took, that education incline, unfortunately. You know, really, at the end of the day, if I, I kind of wish it wasn't called modular homes. I think it's the word modular, right? Yeah. Like if you would have, if they would have just started with, you know, factory built, you know, or something like that, I think, you know, people wouldn't have that stigma. But, it, you know, it is right. It's just. It, but yeah, that's, you know, once, once people get it though, and once they see that webinar, that's when they start seeing all the trees in the forest and they start understanding like, okay, you can do a lot more. You can do it a lot faster. You can do it a lot better, more efficient. You can add these technologies. Everything's not an afterthought because the, to, to retro a house, to be energy efficient. Cause I was doing, and I should have said that, but before I met John, I was doing energy efficiencies because that kind of led into it doing the solar And then I started learning about what a difference just LED light bulbs were, you know, and all the little tricks of turning down your water heater and, you know, putting regulators on your um, water spouts, you know, all those things. And it was like, holy crap, like the amount of money people can save. They just didn't know it. Well, to retro a house, to be energy efficient and to be conservative, if you will, if that's the word, looking at conservancy, right? Yeah. Um, It's expensive. To, to retro it's a lot less expensive to just do it when you're building it get yeah. the house just ready for it all and uh, that's what makes the most sense there right well and i think like the coolest thing is because you know i've seen i mean in illinois they have an act where you know if you have an older house you can illinois will pay for you to go solar 
but it's not as advanced as S2A is with the, you know, you have the, you know, the, where it holds the, you know, you have a battery that kind of holds all the energy and sends it back to the grid. It's nothing like that, you know, advanced. It's pretty much just like, you're going to cut your energy bill a little bit. Yeah. Uh, It's it's a policy play and, you know, not to sound whatever you want to call it, conspiracy or negative or, you know, whatever you want, whatever adjective you want to use. But at the end of the day, what happens? The Fed puts together a plan. They get policy. They get some money. They push it down to the states. The states go, hey, we got this money. If we can spend all of it, they'll give us more. Yeah. So they really aren't looking at the solution. They're looking at getting more money. Yeah. And, and nobody looks at it that way. Everybody's, well, they're not making any money. They're giving it away for free. Follow the money. Follow the trail. You're right. They're, they're, they're trying to give you as much as they can because they know they can get more if they did what they wanted that money spent towards. Yeah. But they didn't really look at a true solution. They didn't look at it kind of like, you know, we do at S2A. They didn't look at it as either do it right and have a true solution and truly create net positive and make sure that they don't end up fading out and degrading in uh, product and all of those, you know, we did it that way. And the, the cities and the governments, again, not to be bashing on anybody, but you know, the, the governments aren't always the most efficient at running things. Well, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Especially when you go right. into like, especially when you go into things like, you know, green building and, you know, conserving energy because for so long, I mean, the country's infrastructure was not built for, you know, that, that kind of thinking, that kind of progression. I mean, that's like the biggest issue with the electric cars. You know, there's not a, a charging station on every single corner yet. It's not like a gas station where you're like, Oh, there's a gas station coming up. You're like, there's a charging station, maybe like 20, 30 miles from here. Yeah, and it, they're they're far and few between. I mean, I know Walmart's, you know, do the you know Electrify America thing oh, now, man. and yeah, there's like a couple big, you know, the bigger stores will be like, yeah, let's put in like four stations. But I'm saying for everyone to go green, it's kind of hard right now. Well, it 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 literally dictates your your path. I, my daughter has a Tesla. Um, my girlfriend and I we went to Vegas from here in Southern California, rough roughly just you know, four hours in the Tesla, three hours, 15 minutes. But anyways, my point is, you know, the, that drive, we had to gauge it on where the charging station was. Like we didn't have to go to the bathroom. We weren't hungry. We could have kept on going, but if we would have, we would have been dead on the road because we passed the last one a half hour ago. And the next one was an hour and a half away. We wouldn't have made it. Right. It really, you're right. The infrastructure is just not there to move about freely. Right. You may yeah. have about the country. <laughs> yeah, it definitely takes you from, you know, one, um, you know, stop to another. You kind of have to take that because uh, my girlfriend and I, we took an electric car uh, to uh, from here all the way to Madison, Wisconsin, which is only like, you know, two and a half hours from what well, we were like out in the burbs. So we uh, took it from there two and a half hours and, you know, I'm watching it get lower and it's like my first time an electric car and i was like we shouldn't have done it on a road trip we should because i was like you know the whole time i'm like okay it's getting lower it's getting lower it's getting lower and i'm like okay we got this amount of time this amount of and it was just like so much anxiety because it was like it had an extra element to it where it's like every exit has a gas station on a road trip 
Right. So I think once we get to that level, I think you'll see a lot more people going that way, at least with cars. But with you guys, you guys have the power walls and, you know, the batteries and things like that that are built in. So you can charge all, you know, you can run a house and charge your car. You know, it's a little deeper than that, too. Um, when you look at it, you're right. We can do those things. But um, when you look at it, like we don't have a breaker in the house that's above 30 amp. Yeah. So now you start looking at, OK, well, these guys are all building batteries to get the amperage up because of all these houses that exist right now. I mean, if you want to have an air conditioner run, you're going to need 47 or 50 amps. Yeah. Just to start it. So, yeah. you know, you look at it that way and you go, oh. Well, I guess my battery isn't going to really back up my, it's not a full home backup. Yeah. But when, when you build the house, when that's why when, when John would say he built it from the inside out to be that way, that that's the difference is that we used everything we have doesn't need more than a 30 amp breaker. So get in, pretty much any battery on the market is going to run, you know, a typical 2000 square foot home right around there or, or lower, of course. You know, you're gonna you start getting up into bigger 3,500s, 4,000 square foot homes. Of course, you're gonna need bigger batteries. You're gonna need right. bigger, and and it always comes down to how many people are in the home. You know, I always joke on the webinar about teenage mode, right? Be able to turn those yeah. on the teenagers. They'll just they'll drain you, man. My my kid did it to me. I didn't I didn't even realize how bad it was until she went to college. Right. And I was like, holy crap, God, I'm saving sixty eighty dollars every month just because she ain't here on electric. So they yeah. do they leave everything on. And so that's a big, that's a big part of it too, is like, you can, you can build the house from the inside out to run that way, to be that efficient. But if you got little energy hogs inside of your house, not being smart and being excessive and it, you're, it, it doesn't defeat the purpose, but it sure doesn't, you know, make it easy to get to a net positive home. You'd be lucky to land on a net zero home. Yeah. Well, right now my, so my current place, I think I pay 80 bucks a month tops with, um, when like my comed bill and it's uh which is energy out here and then they have uh so but i think this room itself is you know it's built to be a studio it's got cameras it's got lighting it's got you know a whole computer system set up in the like closet area it's like a big walk-in closet it's not like a small one but mm -hmm. um it's got all that stuff running so what I did was I, you know, like it's an old house. So I, and also this like third floor doesn't have air conditioning. It's all because it's an old, it was an attic. Someone just finished. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, you know, I have to make sure if I'm going to use the portable air conditioning unit, it has to be plugged in on a certain side of the room because the other one in the other room is plugged in on the other side of the room. Otherwise, because like, we had like a whole week where it was just like, I'm like, why does it keep blowing the power up here? Right. <laughs> And uh, then I you can't see through the walls. You don't know which wires are going to which loads. And even if you look at the panel, that isn't always going to dictate wh where what really is the true story of where that power is. Right. And like, uh, yeah, so like we dealt with that. But the biggest thing that saved me was doing like the smart uh, outlets. Yeah. Uh, so I can see from my phone. OK, these are on right now and they need to be off, you know, because I mean, like going up, it's a three story house. So I'm like going up all the way to the attic. Every time I'm like, did I turn this on? Did I turn this off? You know, right. things like that. So, I mean, monitoring that through my phone or if it's on for an extended period of time, I get an alert like, hey, this has been on for a long time. They cut back, you know, at least 20 bucks. It was like at 100 bucks a month. But I was like, not sustainable. Yeah. It's not sustainable advanced to the second power at all. <laughs> right. 
And you know, what's exciting right now too, is there's companies out there like stores, um, that, you know, with the Z, those guys, they're out here, they're right now. And they're really being pioneers. They're really looking at the real solution. They're not trying to develop a product to move product and make money. I mean, everybody's got to make money, but really they are looking at what is really needed for that to be real. That's what's really exciting because there's a lot of companies that don't, they're just like, Hey, we got a battery. Well, yeah. that's the, that's the easy part, making a battery. It's how do you manage it? Like, how are you looking at it? How do you know what's being used? What, how, how do you know when you shouldn't be using something or when you're okay to just use it all you want? Like those, those kind of companies are the ones that intrigue me because those are really smart people that are really being pragmatic and really looking at a granular level on what it takes to, to do that. Cause look at our administration. They're, they're moving forward almost monthly, but quarterly for sure. There's a new plan, a new bill, a new something. They, they're going to go this way. It's, it's going to happen. So, you know, the one, the companies that are really looking at it in a smart way and not trying to just get that money grab that the fed's going to kick a bunch of money to them. If they got a solution, those are the companies that intrigue me. Those are the ones I, I really enjoy, you know, being in contact with networking with and, you know, trying to partner with those guys because they'll do the work for you. A lot of, you know, that, and that's a real truth too, as much as, you know, John Rowland and myself and everybody in the company that sees this and has this vision. What's really nice is not only are we building modular, but we get to be able to do the technology modular too. There's no reason for us to reinvent a wheel when somebody's already got this perfect wheel going, partner with them, use their technologies, bring them in, mutually benefit each other, mutually benefit the customer, the end user, the climate, the environment. It appeases everybody, but it, but it does, it takes a village to think that way. It takes a real true team to be proactively thinking that way. And, and it's, it's not always easily found. There's a lot of things out there right now that just don't, they're not a good team. They're not looking at it properly. Okay. And then before we like switch to, you know, a different chapter of your life, they're not different, but like they're kind of all in the same era. But um, did you, the graphene solar panels. Mm -hmm. So I think the coolest thing about them is, you know, you talk about the birds, you know, shitting on the roof. You talk about all these things and how it doesn't lose pace. Uh, and then you guys went out in the desert and you know shot it with a gun, and I think that's super cool. I just saw that video yesterday. Yeah, yeah. I've seen it a couple times, but um, yesterday I was watching it again, and it's it's really cool. Can you talk about you know like the difference in that and that, between that and other panels? Yeah. So before I mean to to the origin of it, um, before I before S two A existed, I I knew of this company that made these graphene panels. And I was really intrigued because of all the things that I knew of graphene all by itself. Mm -hmm. And then to hear that it went into a solar panel, I was like, okay, well, what really is it going to do in that? And I started to learn that, you know, it starts to accrue power quicker. It has a lot more connection points. It's highly recyclable. It, you know, it doesn't degrade as bad. Um, you know, the, the strength of graphene by itself, I mean, you know, the, there's one of the things there was a big company a few years ago and they used to have a promotional video where they would lay their panels on the ground and drive like huge, heavy four buys and like tractors over it to show like, look at how strong it is. Right. That was a big deal because panels back then, you know, if you had some hail or big wind, those things were cracking and they were toast and you're having to replace them and they didn't, they degraded, you know? 
And so my point is that graphene, you know, was was just by its nature already the strongest, thinnest material on Earth. So that was really attractive to me. So when I, I started learning about it, and I was like, okay, I was already doing really well, man. I had I was working for a couple of different offices and running these things, and we were we were doing enough production per month. You look you look at a solar shop, and if a solar office sales office is knocking out a certain quota, you're doing pretty darn good. And we were hitting those like consistently. So I took a leap of faith, and I went, you know what? Maybe let's see if I can go over there and make some noise and do some stuff. And again, same with modular. It was an education incline. A lot of people were like, I don't care about graphene. So they weren't getting it. Took yeah. people three or four years till the panels that they bought four years ago weren't producing anymore what they were getting to when they started going, well, what the heck does this graphene do? My sister got one and four years later, she got a big old bill, you know, and she wasn't getting a bill four years ago. And they go, well, graphene doesn't do that. That was the big deal. So when S2A hit and that became really important because, you know, we, I started to explain some things that like, listen, you know, if these are in extreme heats, like you're in Arizona and you're getting these real high heats for you know months on end, these panels are not going to perform well. Or if you're in some extreme colds, even if the sun's out and it's super, you know, it's, you, you live in Illinois, you, you've been, you've yeah. got nice sunny days and it's cold as hell out. Right? Oh Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, and it's always there's like either no snow freezing or there's like two feet of snow freezing and it's like with those things that's why it sounds so cool to me living in the midwest we have trees we have all these things that just cast shadows over it and i think that is why the graphene you know uh it, it's uh, i'm a huge comic book nerd um, so, you know, the whole Marvel vibranium, I always say that graphene is the vibranium of real life. Right. Yeah. And, and it's amazing now because that is like, there's a whole foundation about graphene and the things they're doing with graphene. Like I say it in the webinar, right. You know, the Israeli air force was making fighter planes out of it. They're making uh, Homeland security is making body armor out of this stuff because of what it is, the purification of water that they can do with graphene. The things that you can do even with building materials, putting gra- mixing graphene with organic building materials mm-hmm. is doing some great things. So it's like graphene by itself. It really is a miracle material. I mean, they, they got that Nobel Prize in 2010. That wasn't because somebody just wanted to hand them a Nobel Prize. They did something pretty. They got they found something pretty damn um, important and beneficial. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty hard to just kind of phone in getting a Nobel Prize. <laughs> yeah. Well said. Yeah, not gonna phone that one in. Doesn't matter. Right. <laughs> so so um so going from S2A, you know, the you know green renewable energy building and the technology behind that, you are also a huge crypto guy. Yeah. You love crypto. I, I listen to you, you know, before we get on the webinar, talk about you know all the crypto, you know, but you and uh, my dad and Brian's always like, you know, he kind of not as big into the crypto as you guys, but um, you guys have started um, the DSO syndicate. Yep. Um, can you like tell me a little bit about what the DSO syndicate is? Because again, you're going to do it way better than I can. So <laughs> sure. So so you you'd have to go back and really look at the beginning, right? When you talk about blockchain and blockchain technology, that's completely different from crypto. And people don't really understand that. They hear blockchain and crypto and it's synonymous to them. It really isn't, you know? And the people that look at crypto, you, you gotta understand when Bitcoin came out, 
it was this idea. It was this ideology. And it was just fascinating to the people that were reading the white paper. It was like, wow, this is a true decentralization. If people don't understand, because that word gets thrown around so much, decentralize this, decentralize, decentralize. It, it just becomes such a numbing word that people don't even know what it means anymore. They just yeah. hear it all the time. So what it really means is a true decentralization. And I would just say as simple as this, look at your bank. It's centralized. All of your money's at that bank. If Chase or Wells Fargo were to go down, what you're, you're screwed. It's centralized. It's one central point of failure. It's one central point of corruption. It's one central point of everything that could go wrong happens in one place. Well, decentralization takes that away and gives the ownership to the people that have what, what is theirs. What are my assets? I got my own. It's decentralized. So now it's distributed amongst a whole network and there's little pieces of everything all over the place. So how do you how would decentralization die? It, the Internet would have to go down. They'd have to stop doing Internet. That, that's how it would go down. Any other way, it's pretty much impossible to take down decentralization. Now, decentralization, and I don't want to get too far into the weeds here, but, you know, there's not much that's really 100% decentralized. When you look deep into the woods, you can find ways that, well, at that point, there's some centralization. But the point is, is that decentralization is the thing that's attractive um, to me and what Bitcoin was all about. So as Bitcoin came out, it was just this beautiful, decentralized, awesome thing to create a currency that wasn't fiat. It wasn't dollars. It was something that had a store of value to the people that wanted it, the people that used it, the people that it made sense for. Right. Because there, you know, there's numbers out there in the millions of people that don't even have banking. They don't have banks. They don't have incomes. They don't. There's countries that don't even have a currency, right? And that's yeah. what this kind of addressed. It leveled the playing field. It gave everybody in the world a chance to have something of value to trade with somebody they never even met because it's decentralized. It's all just a hashtag. It's just an address. They don't know if you're Elon Musk or the homeless guy in a homeless shelter in L.A. If you made that trade, you made that trade. It's it's permissionless. It's yeah. trust. List. There's no, yeah. there's no trust involved, and that's what's beautiful. It levels the playing field. So, for me, as I, you know, learned about that, I, you know, I was the guy who, when it first came out, you know, I was like, wow, this is fascinating. I'm, you know, learning about it. But I was also like everybody else, where, yeah, who knows if this thing's going to do anything? Like, it's kind of cool, you know. I guess it's, it's a great idea, but who's, who's going to use it? No one, and no one did in the beginning. There was, it was so very few people. But there was a but there was a passionate um, group of people that did all over the world and they loved it. And that's what happened was that moment that took off and it started to go. Right. And then it went up and then it came back down and it went up and it crashed, has all this volatility to it. Then Ethereum came out and then Ethereum was like, hey, we're not just a store of value. We're actually a bunch of use cases. We have utility. We can do things. You can build contracts on here. You can have applications on here, right? Where Bitcoin's just a store of value. It's just a coin. You either buy it, sell it, hold it. That's what you do with it. Ethereum, you can buy it, sell it, hold it, but you can also build things on top of it. So the, that's when things started to really become a little clearer to other people. And maybe in a way, depending who you talk to in an opinion, maybe in a way made Bitcoin even more sexy because 
it wasn't all of these complexities that Ethereum was. It was what it was. It was pure. It was this pure thing. It was a pure store of value. It didn't do nothing else. It was just store of value. So for me, as things started to go on, I went through the whole thing, got involved with stuff. And DSO Syndicate is stands for decentralized decentralized society syndicate. We wanted to be doing things that were only about that and only about utility. So that evolved into kind of where we're at today is, you know, we're starting, we're on the cusp here of seeing, you know, companies do what's called metaverse, right? And everybody hears the word and a lot of people get it confused, but moving from everything that's happened to where we're going now, which what they're calling web three, getting, away from the web two, the web three is, is the really the exciting pieces because that is bringing in the, the, the decentralization, the permissionless, the trustless, the, the ownership of everything you do. Right. And then we had what NFTs came out. We had a huge explosion and NFTs were like, Oh my gosh, NFTs. What are these? Really? They were pictures. And, you know, that still people think to this day, NFTs are stupid. I'm not spending a bunch of money on a picture of a monkey. Why would I do that? Oh, because Snoop Dogg and Justin Bieber told me it's worth something. I guess what? I wasn't in the good old boys club. I didn't buy it at $2 like you guys. And now it's worth a million. I'm not going to hop on something and buy a picture of a monkey for $10,000. It's a picture. Right. I'll just download it. I'll just download that picture. I'll put it in a frame, put it on my wall if I love it that much. Well, because there's so many like things like, I mean, I know the idea is that you own the original, you own the one NFT of this item. But then you have, you know, like there's not, there's a bunch of people out there that are like, fuck it, I'll, I'll own the copy, you know, like. (laughs) Who cares? If I love it and I want it on my wall, I can go get it something lithographed. I can't tell you how many texts I got from my dad, like bought another NFT, you know, and all these things like every week he was like, I was like, let me see it. You know, and he was like, it's a llama, you know, it's like, or a camel. Uh, And he's like, yeah, this one's smoking a doobie. And it was just like things like that. And I was like, like, wow. I'm like, um, I'm like, you know, cause like I still kind of wrap my head around it at that point uh, where like now I kind of understand. I saw a few podcasts on it and, kind of get it a little bit more, you know, it was kind of like that baby steps of understanding what crypto even was. Right. Um, uh, but yeah, no, I think that's awesome. Um, well, let me, let me tell you. So I was making fun of the pictures right now because to me it was silly. Mm-hmm. I wasn't going to buy those. NFT started to make sense to me when I started really understanding what the technology of NFTs are, yeah. that there's, that there, there's a utility to them. Right. Let me give you an example. When we're talking now, look at S2A. Okay. We're we're doing digital twinning, if you will. We're virtualizing homes in the digital that you can go through, design the homes, do all of that. And when you're done in that digital world creating it, it prints out. And guess what? You get a physical home. That's what they're calling digital. Right. Yeah. Now, let me take you through this one. This is the things that I find fascinating because the metaverse is coming out. And I'll, and I'll talk to you a little bit more about that. But, you know, when you can digitally twin a company, right, there's car companies that digitally twin a vehicle and they digitally do it. They tweak it and they do these things. They run it through tests. It's so real with the AIs and the things that they're doing that they can build 50 cars without building 50 cars in the real world and test these and go, you know what? 
this wasn't that good. They can market research these things and look digital. And they can see, are people even going to buy this? Well, what about the wind draft on this? What about the turning radius? What about this? All those things. Well, the big advantage in the digital, because it doesn't cost as much as busting out an assembly line and building a bunch of cars for prototypes just to see if they're cool, just to see if they're going to sell. Those kind of things, digital twinning works. Now, it moved to where we're at here in the metaverse. Now, everybody looks at that and goes, hey, metaverse, well, it's a game. Well, it's not. There's gaming in it. Absolutely. And it is a huge part of um, a lot of metaverses because the user experience, it's got to be fun. It's got to be immersive. It's got to be cool. Well, now there's things where I can go, oh, well, I can go into the metaverse. Why the hell would I want to be in the metaverse? Because if I have a real world company, think about this, Jackson. This is the first time in human history that you can take a product or a service. You can take it to market. And within minutes, the whole world is your customer. Right. And it's never been possible. It's never existed. That's fascinating because now what if I'm like, I'm, I've got a golf game. Okay. I'm involved with eSkills right now, eSkills.io. They're yeah. doing something absolutely amazing in the sports world. It's going to blow people's minds when they see what's going to happen in this metaverse. Let me give you an example. A company comes in, they set up a store and they say, hey, I got golf equipment. Okay, well, you're in the metaverse already because you're either there, whatever, getting an education, playing a game, whatever. Well, I want to go play golf. Well, if I'm playing golf, maybe I'm a golfer in the real world, right? So my digital twinning brain kicks in. I go, well, let me go walk into this little store. I walk around. They got shoes. They got hats. They got all this apparel. Well, then I just go, you know what? I love those Nike um, golf shoes. I buy those golf shoes right then and there in the metaverse. I never leave. Those shoes are getting shipped to my house right then and there. But my avatar that's playing golf gets a pair of those shoes. And now I can drive 8% farther. Or I buy a hat or a pair of glasses. Those get sent to my house. I'm, I'm going to wear those for golfing or a pair of gloves. Well, guess what? Now I'm gonna, my avatar has got accuracy. Cool. Now I have more fun gaming. But the metaverse has got play to earn. Okay? Yeah. What I mean is you're playing these games. You're making money playing you're literally earning money playing these games and doing this stuff because you're there but imagine you could go into a tournament now and this is what uh e-skills is doing where you can go into a tournament i'm gonna play a golf tournament and there's a fifty thousand dollar prize yeah well now i need the nft technology because those shoes that i just put on my avatar those are nfts those have a utility. Those aren't just a pretty picture that don't do anything for me. Those yeah. 8% to my drive. They make me a better putter. Now my avatar can go into this thing and have a fighting chance of getting some of that $50,000 money. And it maybe it cost me $10 to get into the tournament. Or maybe I won access to that tournament because I was playing for free in a bunch of free tournaments, earned enough money without doing anything but playing a game to put in as my entry fee to go get into a $50,000 tournament or a $100,000 tournament. If anybody thinks that million-dollar purses in games are not going to be available, they are on glue. It's going to happen. There's companies, celebrities, people with expendable income that would drop a million dollars on marketing like it's nothing. It's going to happen. And that's those are the kind of things that are going on. So when you know when you talking about it and you look at it like that that's the part i was talking about with nft even though i gave you that (laughs) long-winded exercise there yeah the whole thing is that 
that's the truth in NFT technologies. And there's different types of NFTs, right? There's um, dynamic NFTs now where your where your player can grow. Like again, I go back to eSkills. What their players are, they can evolve. So they so now it's like I bought this player, I got this avatar, but I put this gear on, and now I have these shoes. I have this. He's growing that avatar. That NFT is dynamic. It's worth a hell of a lot more than when I bought it the first time. Because when I bought it for a hundred bucks, he wasn't winning a fifty thousand dollar tournament. Two months later, just from playing the damn game, he got a shot at winning fifty. I got a shot at winning fifty grand, real money. Yeah, digital, physical meets digital. Those kind of things, so much more. We talked well, the first thing that I saw that was part of the metaverse was I was watching a bunch of videos one day. I like finished up work, and I was just sitting there. I think like two or three hours of like metaverse videos and i saw someone just going through it like shopping they had a shopping cart and they were able to look and be like oh here's the expiration date on this milk i'm gonna get this and put it in the cart and then they put it in their cart and eventually uh it was just instacarted or you know whatever service right to their house and i was like whoa and i picked up my girlfriend from work that day and i was like she's like what did you do today i was like i can't wait to tell you like I watched and I was like just telling her and she just looked at me. And she's like, I just got done with work day. Like, I don't I can't listen to the meta how the metaverse works right now. And I was like, all right. Yeah, sorry. I'm just that's all I can think about right now. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's really the, that's what's kind of cool, dude, because you're, you're right. And, and that's what it's going to take is people to understand because everybody thinks it's a game. I'm what I'm going to be an avatar. I got time for that. A lot of people right. just like I'm too busy to be become an avatar and go into this world for nothing. When they start to understand that it's business and it's real big business, um, that's when things are going to go. I mean, there's another one I'm involved in called TCG World, TCG.World. Those guys just sold $100 million worth of land in their metaverse to a huge esports company. So, you know, when you start thinking about it and everybody goes, that's stupid. Why would I buy land? I don't want virtual land. I can't do anything with it. Yeah, you can. And you're going to see that you can. And you're going to see big business do it. And those that don't get into the metaverse, I will put money on this. They're going to lose market share in the years to come because you don't. I've, I've said this before to other people, um, but you don't you don't have to be a big player to excel in the digital world and to be digital and be in the metaverse. You don't have to be a big player, but you've got to be in because right. if you're not your competitors will be. And now they got the whole world as their potential customer. And you're selling to what you've been selling to for the last 10, 20, 30 years of your company, especially small businesses. They're going to get cleaned out. It doesn't matter, dude, what you're selling. It doesn't matter. I got a friend that s- sells bikinis, right? If she could do that now, she, you know, she's probably not selling a lot of bikinis to the whole world. Right. You know, her, her shop's in Huntington Beach. Sure, she's got an online store, but that's web too. How much money are you going to spend on um, you know, search engine optimization and marketing your website. You don't just build a site and everybody finds it. Right. You got to market it. You got to spend a lot of money on it. You got to do a lot of due diligence. You got to get out there in your social media and really make this circular thing um, happen. You know, the cyclical thing to get back to it. But with the metaverse, just go go where the people are. They're going to be yeah. in the metaverse. There's going to be millions of them. And yeah. So what about, could you see in the future where there is, some sort of in the metaverse like 
comedians, concerts, things like that. Selling, oh, that's already happening. That's already happening. So they're doing concerts in the metaverse. Dude, to... Travis Scott, ready? Okay. Travis Scott went into the metaverse and did, I think it was five, don't quote me, I think it was five 15-minute concerts and made $20 million. His little Astro Tour, I think he made a couple million. So for an hour's worth of work, he dwarfed what he did, rolling out trucks, setting up a stage, going on tour, dwarfed it, doing it in the metaverse. The comedians, that's already happening. TCG World, they already got that. And you're probably getting better sound quality, too, because you're not doing it in this giant arena or whatever, where it's not made for the acoustics of it. You're sitting there in a studio. You're sitting there in a studio where, you know, people are, you know, logging into the metaverse. Uh, putting on their headsets and going to a concert. That's- you don't even have to, and you don't even have to. That's the other thing too, is it's platform independent. Like most people are like, well, I don't want to sit there with the, with the Oculus on my face. Well, that's that's VR. You don't have to do that. You can do it right on your desktop. Yeah. You can be doing it on your app on your phone. You can be immersed into these things, but you're right, man. You start doing the VR stuff, that spatial audio and things like that. Think about sporting event. Listen to this. Beyond sports, listen to what they did. A football game last year, a real uh, American football, not soccer, American right. football. Um, there was a, a football game. Well, Beyond Sports got together and took SpongeBob SquarePants. And while the real game was happening in augmented reality, they overlaid it and everybody looked like little SpongeBob SquarePants. And as the receivers running down the field, they're slamming them, but it's the real game. Like yeah. that sounds goofy, but apparently it was a big hit. I didn't see it live, I've seen some clips of it. But not that that's like, this is a new business. This is amazing. Right? Right. It's not amazing. It's just, it's pretty cool. You can do that. Imagine a day the World Series is happening. You get to stand on the mound in game seven, literally hearing the real audio of the game, that spatial audio, and sit there and watch that dude throw that pitch. Watch him hit that home run. And you're on the field because yeah. you're augmentedly there, right? That kind of stuff is just things that who's not going to want to do that. I mean, people buy signed jerseys for hundreds of dollars and thousands of dollars just to have that little piece to be in the, be right there in the game. That's just something that's crazy. I mean, I guess we could sit here and talk forever. I could give you a million examples, but yes, the comedians that's already happening. TCG.world has that. Well, I was even thinking, you know, like podcasts, like, you know, you are in a different place, like essentially, we could have gone to the metaverse and done a podcast in with person an with an audience and sold tickets to it. You would sell NFTs to it. Okay. And guess and guess what that NFT would do? I, I want to go to your podcast. Me and you are having a conversation. There's enough people that are interested in what we're saying or what we're doing. You know, imagine Joe Rogan, right? He goes in there. If you own a Joe Rogan NFT, you don't have to now pay to get in because you already own his NFT. And he's going to give out a bunch of shirts for it, too. And, you know, if he has a guest on there, the guest might be signing some stuff. And you're getting all these benefits and all these utilities from having the NFT. And it's just a way more immersive experience. You go right now, go to a comedy show, you buy a ticket, you sit down, you laugh your ass off, you get drunk, and you bail. Right. Now you got comedy clubs that can be virtual. Comedy clubs in the physical can have the same thing. I could go to the comedy store in the virtual world buy a ticket or an NFT. And what would that do? Maybe now when I go physically to it, my ticket's half price. Maybe I get my first two drinks for free. Maybe I get a free shirt. 
Um, you know, maybe I get put on a white list. So when Dave Chappelle comes, I got a shot at winning f- four free tickets for that and a meet and greet with Dave Chappelle just because I own their NFT. Right. Yeah. So the only thing that I don't understand is like, how are you getting drinks in the metaverse? You know what I mean? In the metaverse, right? It's virtual. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that'll ever take over. You're like $6 for a Miller Lite still. Yeah. <laughs> my avatar drunk. <laughs> They're like, DUI. he can't drive home. Yeah, I mean, it's that, you know, there's there's those little things that, you know, who knows if that'll ever be something. I mean, people are going to do it. They're going to open up bars. They're going to have places where people go and gather. I mean, we have a club in TSG, uh, TCG world. Um, like Oasis Island and like there's this Dragon Island, right? Where we went to this Oasis Island, there's a dance floor there, but you're going to see people, see what they did with their avatars. People are still pimping their stuff. You can go get an NFT. A girl could go get a Tiffany bracelet or a Tiffany necklace of NFT and get it for their avatar and have it in real life. Now when they go into the um, metaverse, somebody looks at it and they go, ooh, she got a Tiffany. Her avatar's cool. I want that on my avatar. Why? Because Jackson, EXP Realty. Do you know who that is? Uh, no, uh, I only because only through you guys. So they're a real big realty company right now, making making a big splash and have been for a while. They are their meetings are now a hundred percent metaverse. So if you if you're a real estate agent there and you have to go to a meeting, there's people that quit EXP because they just don't get it and don't want to deal with that. They don't want to be an avatar and go log into this, and they've left. They just aren't seeing the trees in the forest. And that's fine because I don't think EXP cares because they want 100%. They're not even looking back. They're doing right. just fine. EXP ain't struggling <laughs> at all. <Yeah. laughs> They're doing just fine. But that's that's the thing is enough of these companies are going to start doing this and they're gonna everybody else is going to find out. You think all the other realtors out there aren't looking at EXP going, well, they're doing better than us. And they're going to have to assess at some point, is that virtual world, is that stupid metaverse thing actually a part of it? Well, yeah, because now we start putting all of our real estate contracts onto a smart contract. It's a lot less crap back and forth and signings. And my ownership is me. It is my identity. And I'm signing something through a smart contract. We can do things now in a minute that would take two weeks for somebody got to go get it signed. Go get a notary. These those things are all going to be gone. I mean, the real estate in in NFT form is is a huge market that's going to change. But again, it's not NFT as a picture. Everybody needs to get that out of their head. It's the NFT right. technology. It's what it can do. Okay, not so what then, it is. It's what yeah. it can do. Mm-hmm. Well, that's pretty awesome. Like that, you know, you can kind of picture. Well, not to you know use the word picture. But use, you know, like <laughs> you can see where it's going. You can kind of see, you know, how we're heading in that direction. And I, I still think like the you can test drive cars. You can, yeah. you know, do all that stuff from the comfort of your home. And it'll tell you everything you need to know about the car. Um, but then it's also delivered to your door. I think that's that's the beauty of it, you know, and I think and you can see. Sorry, go ahead. No, yeah, no, just like even now, like the amount of times I leave for groceries is very minimal unless I'm grabbing a specific thing and I run to like Trader Joe's. If I'm not doing that, it's Instacart. It's coming from whether it's Costco or and it I just comes to my house three times a week. And it doesn't interfere with my day. They show up. I gra- I'm like, thank you so much. And I grab uh-huh. it and I put it in the fridge. 
And it's that simple. Uh, it was funny. I did have an Instacart the other day. Kind don't want to get off topic, but I did have one the other day that was like, Hey, I have, um, I, I had ordered like vodka from Costco and they were like, Hey, uh, you like vodka. And I was like, no, I just don't like making multiple trips. You know, like it's just, it's not ideal yeah. to go back and forth and, or even order it uh, like four times a week. It's, it's like I order for the month. Mm-hmm. So, and, and you know, yeah. they're, they're obviously we all, everybody knows this and most of us either don't care or just don't have the time to worry about it, but they know everything about us. The advertisers and the data people, they, they that's what they do is they, Big tech takes our data. It's not a secret. Eric Snowden ain't in exile because he was full of shit. Right. <laughs> oh, that was my next point. So yeah. like when you buy a ticket, like through Ticketmaster, StubHub, whatever you're using, they, you know, collect your email, your phone number, your first name, last name, date of birth, things like that. And then it goes into their database. And I assume whoever the concert is, you know, can get that information. Whoever bought, you know, can we get a list of people bought tickets and then market our, you know, podcast that we have, our, you know, music coming out, our comedy album coming out, our new Netflix special, things like that. Um, that's got to make it 10 times easier because you already got that stuff in there. So yep. you've got your credit card in there, all that things. So it's literally just one click buy. It's simplifying it kind of like how Amazon does where you do the just buy now one click and you're done. It gets yeah. shipped right to your house. Well, it's so much more granular than that. Jackson, like, They'll go and they'll go buy a data set and they'll be like, listen, I need to know everybody right now that bought football tickets in this week to go to football games across the country that are aged 18 to 62. And I also need to know what time of the day are they online? They can get oh. everything. What, you know, I want to, I need to know that stuff. It can even get more granular, but now think of that data set and I want to sell something that's football related that, that, that vertically I can go, okay, well this 80% of these people that bought this were on the West coast. So now I'm going to set my ad out to go demographically go after them, right? Geo target these, this group. And I'm going to send it out at one 30 in the afternoon because I, I know that 80% of those people are online. They're going to see my ad and it's a numbers game. And I got exactly who I wanted. I got the 18 to 62 year old, male that just bought football tickets to go to this game. Maybe they want a chair to go to when they tailgate. Maybe they want, you know, now you just flood them. Yeah. Flood them with everything you'd ever want if you're a football fan. Maybe they want a jacket. Maybe they want a shirt. Maybe they want memorabilia. And you got all this shit you're selling. And now you just get to shove it to the exact demographic at the exact time they're on, going after the exact things that they buy. You know, dude, this guy spent over $40,000 this year on football shit. Right. I'm selling football shit. I want that list. Yeah. I want to know what time he's online. Who's yeah. his favorite team. <laughs> and he's about to be your biggest customer. My dad yeah. always makes fun of me because he always says I'm the perfect consumer. And I was like, but these ads are so like tailored to me. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, they know what I want and I'm not arguing with it. Like if they were showing me a bunch of ads for like shit, I don't need, don't want like, Honestly, I would say about 50% I don't need, but I do want. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm always like, this is pretty fucking cool. I'm going to get it. You know, like yeah. if yeah. it makes my life slightly easier, I'm going to get it. And that's just how detailed they really are. You know, that they, and it sounds sinister in a way, but if you're, a, if you're marketing and you got a business 
and you can have access to those lists with that kind of granular knowledge, you'd be stupid not to use it. If you're trying to sell a product, I just want to move product. I want to make money. Yeah. So kind of piggybacking off of the metaverse, can you talk at all about the upcoming metaverse project you're working on? Sure. So um, eSkills is one that I'm um, heavily involved in. That's a sports verse. It's the eSports verse. And what we're doing at um, eSkills is where we got a term and because it encompasses everything. We grind, game, earn, and own. So what does grind mean? It means what I was telling you about. We grind our players, our, our, um, our stadiums. We grind those to make them worth more in value. But I own it. Remember, that's one of the four words is own it. So I'm earning money with it. I'm gaming with it. I'm earning money with it. And I own it. Now, if I can create a bigger value in my thing just by playing a game for free, I could sell that or I could rent out my player. Listen to this part of eSkills. If I came into eSkills and I said, I'm going to buy a land, I'm going to buy some land in eSkills and virtual land. Why would I do that? Because I could build a stadium on there. Okay, well, why do I want a stadium? Because I can rent it out to all the leagues that play baseball or football. Now I got leagues renting my stadium. They're playing football. I can become a GM and go get a bunch of players and build my own team and just be the general manager and go put that out there and let everybody else play my players and rent my players out to them because they're so good. That Now I'm making money off of that. I'm making money off of renting out the stadium. Um, now I take my players back after they're rented and I go throw them in and I grind. Remember, it's grind. Game, yeah. earn, own. I keep doing this, and it's it's a sports play where I can own everything. I can sell everything. I can own a team. I can have, like I said earlier about a golf tournament, we could have where we are selling NFTs that gives you access to be in that tournament. And let me just use an example. If you paid Ethereum, right, just a yeah. rough estimate. Let's say you bought an, an NFT for dot two right now. Cool. I made my player a little better. Well, what if that gave you access to a tournament that you could, the top 20 people, and there's only 500 people allowed in this one tournament, 500 people, and the purse is $50,000. Well, that's easy because think about it. If we let 500 people in at 300 bucks a pop, that's $150,000 that that seller creator of that NFT made 150 grand on that, right? Yeah. 500 people. Times 300 bucks, right? Or yeah, you see where I'm going, like round that up. Um, so you add that up, right? And when when they do that, that f- they take that 150 grand, they go, well, I'm going to take 50,000 of it and I'm going to put it up as the purse. They keep the $100,000. They can now start minting and printing and creating more NFTs for another tournament. These people go in and say, hey, the top 10 people out of 500 are going to split 50,000. However, it's percentaged out. That's what's going on in e-skills. So do you think people aren't going to want to use that golf course that's beautiful and designed to go play that $50,000 tournament or hop into that football league that you can win at the end of the year? Every team that makes the playoffs is going to make 10 grand. Every the team, the two teams in the championship get 50, and the guy who wins it gets another 50. Talking about now, I just made $110,000 playing a video game. Think about this. Isn't it? It's it's ownership, man. So it's grind, it's game or uh, grind, game, earn, own. That encompasses everything that you can do inside of eSkills. Think about this, dude. This is really, I, I say this to people a lot and they go, holy shit, like it, the light goes on. 
When I was growing up, I'm 52 years old. When I was growing up, my mom used to get really mad at me because I'd be sitting down in my room or up in our game room playing Atari and in television until my fingers bled. And my mom would get up there and she'd pull the damn cord out of the wall and she'd be like, get your ass out of the house. Seriously. Like, you go do something. Yeah. What's going to happen here in the next year is you're going to have eight-year-olds playing games, earning $50, $100 a day playing video games. And now those parents are going to be like, I'm not buying you those shoes. I'm not buying you that jacket. I'm not paying your cell phone. Get your ass in there and play your video game. Right. They like earn that money. Like they're going to teach them early how to grind. Play to earn, man. That's what it is. There's, there's learn to earn. Here's another great thing with the metaverse. If they go in there's a company called SIDTEK, S-Y-D-T-E-K. They're in TCG world. They are a university where now anyone in the world, all these people that never had a shot at any kind of education, will, if they can get access to the metaverse anyway, anyhow, a local library or whatever, they can go sit there and literally go to a degree granting institution and be taught by MIT professors, pennies on the dollar to get education and it versus doesn't have- actually going to college. Absolutely. Like physically going away and like sitting in a classroom and living in a dorm. You're pretty much just doing that in the metaverse. You're learning for, for like a fraction of the cost. Pennies on the dollar. And you're going to get that insane. degree. And, and and it doesn't even have to be, dude. It doesn't mean they're going in there and they're going to become mechanical engineers and electrical engineers. Dude, you got people all over the world that don't know how to spell. They don't right. know how to read. They don't know how to count. You're going to have basic elementary courses now that kids, because they're, you know, they're in a third world country for them to even get from their little village to where a teacher is because nobody in your village is smart enough to know it. Sorry, it sounds horrible to say it that way, but just it doesn't have the knowledge to teach. Right. All of those kids are going to be stuck with not knowing how to read and write. What if they could just go right over real close and now go get a simple education, right? They have to typically cross some horrible, treacherous, dangerous area just to go to school. Just that's just seems crazy to us. Right. That's that's real life for them. And so to me, the metaverse is a lot more than a cool gaming gadget. It is an absolute life changer, man. It's going to change people's life. Medical. You start going to the doctor in the in the metaverse, right? You can start taking things, doing a blood sample, send it across the internet to your doctor. They can look at what's going on. And right then and there in the metaverse, you're getting from a real doctor. What about mental health? You want to have therapy. My life sucks. I'm ready to to kill myself right now, unfortunately, right? Whatever got that bad. And you knew that you had access, that you've been playing to earn You didn't have to go spend money, let anybody know what you're going through. If you had that avenue to just go and get some psychological help, it could save people in suicides. It could save people just a general health of life, a mental health. If I could just talk to somebody once a week, give me some coping skills. We've all been there. I've had days where I wanted to push people through a damn window, you know? Right, yeah. Because I just can't handle them anymore. I can't handle myself. I'm fed up. I'm annoyed. I need sleep. I need some food. Well, those things happen. And, the, you know, if you can get some mental health things, I mean, you, you see where I'm going is the access to all of these different kind of services. People are just not understanding right now. But the, but the metaverse is going to 
change the world for sure. It's not, it's not if it's, it's how soon and how many of the real companies are going to make it robust enough to enable that. You got these big guys that are considered the biggest players in metaverse right now, Jackson, and all yeah. they're doing is trying to make money. They're making stupid little games and, you know, and I'm not, I'm sorry, I'm not bagging on gamers that love it. There's millions of them out there. Right. Yeah. I mean, 35% of the human population plays games. So I'm not making fun of 35% of the human population. I'm just saying some of these metaverses are not metaverses. They're virtual worlds. The ones that are metaverses are interoperable. If I took my golf player with these shoes and these glasses that I wore that made my guy better, I can just go to another metaverse too and carry those because I own those and they yeah. carry it to another metaverse. Those are individual virtual worlds. Talking about centralization. Facebook becomes meta. Do you think they're going to play well with others? I mean, they haven't in the past. They're not going to. They're going to. They're going to be centralized, and you're going to be in meta. It's not doing well. Just do a simple Google search. They're blowing through money. They're losing money hand and fist because they're trying to do their own thing. It's not what's people. It's not going to help the world. It's going to help Zuckerberg. That's right. it's going to. It's going to help him, but it's not going to help the world. It's not going to create options for mental health and medical help and education and gaming and income. You can start learning about money. Every kid in the world should, I never was taught when I went to school. Did you take, how, what, what kind of grade did you get in your checkbook class when you were in high school? Oh, I have no idea. Um, what, what you do you didn't mean, have like, a class? <laughs> I didn't have a class. No. <laughs> That's my point. <laughs> Dude, like at eight years old, 10 years old, kids should have a basic understanding of a general ledger. Like oh, we're right. not taught that on purpose. But now you're, now kids at a young age are going to understand. They're going to go like, here, let me give you another example. TCG.world. You can go buy a little piece of land and you can have a farm. Well, guess what? You can go buy these seeds. And when you buy those seeds, you can put them in your farm. And when you farm it and put water on it and tend to your farm, you're going to get more growth, just like Farmville, except now all of that growth is actually money. And okay. kids are not, they're not going to understand that they're learning about money. Do I want to go and buy, you know, a cool necklace in the metaverse so I can walk around with a necklace on my avatar? Or do I want to spend that money on some more seeds? Because if I put those seeds in there 30 days later, I'm going to have 8% more money than those seeds cost me or 10% more money or 12% more money. Now they're learning and then they can go, hey, take that throw it back into that farm. Now they just learned about compound interest. They don't know. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, and that was my biggest like complaint with the education system. It's there was never a class taught you how to do like real world shit, like load a load a fucking dishwasher, like strategically. <laughs> like I'm like, like when I first moved out, I was like, dude, I don't know. I was like, this no is like playing Tetris. Like just, yeah, I mean, I was like, nothing's getting washed, right? Like, this is insane. But then you go and, you know, like after trial and error, trial and error, I'm like, if they would have told me put the dishes like this, like the big ones in the back, small ones in the front so you don't overload it and it doesn't wobble when you like try to pull it out, like things like that. Like they just do little things. Or like I did take a personal finance class. That was very beneficial to life because it taught me about stocks and investing and you know right. portfolios things like that but when did you take that college high school you got that in high school yeah they did yeah mm -hmm. well, I, I see i didn't have those i had i did have financial accounting i think that was our senior year 
But okay. up until up until the latter years of high school, dude, we didn't learn anything. I'm, I'm talking about elementary students. Fourth grade. Yeah, I, I think I was like a junior when I took that class. But I'm saying like if you would have taught that younger, then you would have kids that, you know, got when they got a job at 15, were smarter with their money. I had a job for two years and I was blowing through money like crazy. Yeah, absolutely. Because we didn't we didn't realize, you know, my daughter's 24 right now. And, you know, she's she's just starting to really understand, like, you know, because she went to college. She, you know, in college, she was a softball player. She had a full ride scholarship. By the time she got out of school and was done with all that, it was like, OK, real world. Well, she wasn't worrying about taxes and bills. And guess what? Shit happens. You think you're making whatever thousand dollars a month and your bills are five hundred. I'm just using an example. Well, right. what, happens, what happens if somebody you go driving and you pop two tires? You just spent six hundred dollars. Oh shit! You're a hundred dollars upside down this month. That's the real world. That's right. what really happens. Your registration came up on you for your car. If you're in California, it's brutal. Well, you weren't planning and you forgot for three months that that's coming. Now you get hit with a six hundred dollar registration bill. You you only got about two hundred dollars expendable cash after month to month. You know, you know yeah. my daughter's like freaking out. She's like, "What the hell?" I'm like, "Why didn't you add that up?" And I tell her, "Why didn't you just?" Take that number, divide it by 12 and put that much away each month because you know you're going to have that bill because you're not. She wasn't taught that. And it made me feel like a failure as a father for not getting to her and go, shit, man. I, you know, and I thought about it. I'm like, I, sh- I should have been the one that actually hammered that home to her. Like, yeah. understand this is going to come up. Understand this. Or, you're gonna be or even, even like the importance of credit uh, credit score. Yeah. Like things like that. I never like, I mean, I understood, you know, it's important to have a good credit score. Other than that, I didn't know how to attain a good credit score. I had to go do research. I had to go figure it out. I had to go, you know, uh, go into certain programs that help you build credit because I didn't, I didn't take out student loans. I didn't really go to college. I kind of, I will call it dabble. Um, and then I, you know, was in and out and I just paid out of pocket for the one year I was there. But other than that, it was like, um, it was, I had to think, I was like, I don't have student loans, so I don't have any credit that I was taking out. The only thing I had was a car that I had yep. taken a car lo- loan out for. And that was um, like not enough to get, like anytime I applied for a credit card, they were like, oh, you don't have enough lines of credit. I'm like, what do you think I'm trying to do right now? Mm-hmm. Get more right. lines of credit. But they don't right. teach oh, well, you. You should have known. You should have known. Yeah. But they don't teach you about like, hey, this is a good program to get into to build credit. So when you're ready to get a credit card, when you're ready to do these things, when you're ready to get a mortgage, like you have good credit and you can, here's how to attain it, keep it under 30% or whatever it is. Uh And, you know, do those sorts of things. I mean, but if in the metaverse, they had an institution that was teaching, you know, things like that simply, you know, and at a cost effective rate for people who, you know, don't have the kind of money to just throw away. Not just cost effective. Think about this. Learn to earn. You, if you if you knew you're going to get paid roughly $200 if you go learn about what a credit score is, if you go learn about how to balance your checkbook, but you actually would get paid $150, how many kids would be like, that's all I got to do is sit there and go through this class for $150? You're going to get paid. How? Where does that money come from? How do they pay it? Because people are doing simple things, man. They're selling 500 NFTs for 300 bucks a pop. So these guys can go play a game and win 50 grand. Now they're taking that extra 200 grand and throwing $50,000 into liquidity to pay for people to be in this world and get paid to learn 
get paid to play, get paid to watch other people play video games. That happens. That's insane. And I, I can't wait to see that unfold as we, you know, get further and further into the metaverse. TCG.world's doing it and eSkills.io and that eSkills is with the Z at the end. Mm-hmm. They're doing it. They're doing it. Ryan, I don't want to take up any more of your time and because sure. you and I could we could talk about this for probably yeah, years. Hours. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and I definitely <laughs> yeah, I definitely uh, want to have you back on in the future to kind of, you know, jump even deeper, maybe just one on the metaphors. Um, oh. Yeah, because then we can just spend an entire, you know, like hour yeah, or two talking about even, that. Yeah, we could do something even more over, dude. I can start bringing some of the developers, the studio people. I have a studio that creates. Um, I'll show you some of the castles and houses and golf courses and stadiums that my studio actually creates. And then we put that into the games. I could bring them on. Um, that would be something cool. I could bring the CEOs on of some of these metaverses, like the high level guys. And we, we can get down in the weeds if you want, man. It really gets, Oh, that good. would be amazing. Leading edge tech for, straight from the mouths of the people that are doing it. That's awesome. Yeah. Let's, let's definitely get that together, but thank you so much for coming on. And also, um, I'm going to put like links to DSO Syndicate and S2A uh, down below. Um, is there anything else that you want to share with anyone right before we go? No, I just um, I, I would I, I would just end and say this, that, you know, whether you, you, you think it's stupid or whatever, you know, other people in your lives that don't think it's stupid, I wouldn't be making fun of them or thinking that they don't know what they're talking about without looking. You don't know what you don't know. And I didn't know. And I thought NFTs were ridiculous. And I was heavily into crypto and I thought NFTs were stupid. Well, I was kind of right. Pictures, that was kind of stupid. <laughs> but the technology behind those things, I would just say that, that you know, if, if people are thinking it's stupid, ask yourself why $2.7 billion this year has been dropped in. Actually, I apologize. I think it's $200 billion has been dropped in by major, major industries and companies to into the metaverse. I mean, you gotta ask yourself, why are they doing that? Because it's a scam? I no. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. They I mean no one puts that kind of money behind a scam. No. Well, I mean, except for like uh the Wolf of Wall Street, but Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's a def- definitely a different world we're going into. But thank you so much for coming on. I'm going to put links sure, below. Man. So if you guys want to check out any of the stuff we talked about, the links are below. Uh, thank you so much. And we will have definitely you. have you on again. That was a lot of fun, man. I love talking about it. Thanks. Yeah. All right. Have a good one.